Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. After that point, because I believe that children as well as youth and adults are the church of today. We don't ever look at kids as they're not important. They are completely important to us here at Faith Walk. And that's how we live our lives and our family, too. Our kids are something that we have felt blessed to have in our lives. So I want you to see this in Psalms 127. We're going to start at verse 1 and read right through. It's just five little verses. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrow, for, he, uh, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gates. There's so many different ways we could go off just on these five little verses of the importance of knowing that God has to be the Lord of our lives, that he has to be the head of our households. Amen? If you've never done this before, I encourage you when you go home and you stand in front of your door going into your house, that you pause just for a moment. And if your family's with you, or if it's just you yourself, you say, Lord, I give you my house. doesn't matter if it's a condominium, an apartment, a mobile home, or a house, or some group of houses together. It doesn't matter. It's your house. It's your home. And just say to him, Lord, I give you my home, because we want God to be Lord over your household. We want him to be with his abiding presence so that even when the mailman comes to your house to drop off a letter, it's just like, wow, what's different about this address? Why? Because it's set apart for the glory of God. Then it goes on and it speaks here how that it's a vain thing to try to guard your house or anything else without God. It's a vain thing for us as a nation to think that we can ever be a truly prosperous nation without the Lord being our God over this country. And we need to be praying about that. God wants to do revival in America just like he wants to do it all over the world. Wednesday night when we were having our time of worship and praise, while we were giving God glory, I was standing there and I shared this with everyone Wednesday night. I had an open vision. And during that open vision, I saw like a map of the United States of America. And the map, you could see the lines of the different states, this kind of thing. But then I saw what looked like a fountain. And it was almost like a, a 4th of July. You ever bought those little cone-shaped fountains uh, that you can get at the fireworks displays? And you light it, and it shoots off a spray of fountain and fire that just goes out and covers everything. It makes almost like a dome and a cone that goes around it. Well, as I looked at the United States, I saw all these fountains being sprayed all over the United States. And there wasn't one fountain that was brighter than the others. They were all burning, but they never went out. And in that process of burning, when one was going, the next one over here covered it so that there was no ground that was not covered. And all I could think about was how a couple years ago we did a teaching on how the wells in the Old Testament that had been dug by Father Abraham later on were redug, And reminding ourselves that God still has glory and power even in past moments that you've had with him. We don't live in the past, but yet we can learn things from our past and know that what God is doing, he still wants to do in our lives. Sometimes we don't finish everything that God has for us. And there's still goods that are there waiting to be exposed to our life. So I want you to know, if you need to be redigging some wells, dig them up. Give your heart to them and say, God, okay, 
This didn't seem to work the last time, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to give you glory and honor and get ready for there to be a fountain of his glory that will come. I believe the other thing that as we said that, several others saw the same vision. And uh, as we started to pray to get understanding, I've been praying since Wednesday night of just the importance of what that is, seeing our country come alive because we need God in America. He has been pushed out in so many different ways, and we've got such confusing things going on in our world. We need the Lord to be Lord of our country. So tying that all together here, we're going to focus in on these next couple verses about children, how it says that children are a heritage from God. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy are those whose quiver is full of them. Praise the Lord. Kids are a blessing. Oh, pastor, you don't know my kids. They were a blessing at one time, but man, I'll tell you what. You ever heard of hell on wheels? I I don't know. You just need to pray for our family. No, no, no. Your kids are still a blessing. They are. No, no, no. You don't know. They've made bad choices. Listen, hear me out on this. This is not to ever point a finger at a parent because sometimes you can see the best parents doing all the right things and some kids make some wrong choices we still have to hold them up before God because they were intended to be a blessing. So be careful on that, that you ever let words come out of your mouth saying, oh, my kid's just a hellion. He causes all kinds of problems. She causes all kinds of problems. They're just living in rebellion. Don't speak that over them. Speak life and blessing over them because God intends for them to be used for the glory of God. Now, we have a responsibility to our kids, too. That's one of the reasons we have classes that go on with the different age groups. That's why we also include them in once a month in here during worship and praise. They sing, they minister to us that way. There's so many important things that happen with children. And I just want you to know, even if you've never had children, I want you to take on the children of this church in your heart. Take on the children in your neighborhood in your heart because those kids need Jesus It's interesting, surveys have showed that at least 75% of the people that are born again in the church today got saved between the ages of 4 and 10 years of age. That's huge. Children are important. Their hearts are open to God. Sometimes as people get older, their heart gets hard and it's a little bit harder to penetrate it. But aren't you glad that even as an adult, God can reach the unsaved? Hallelujah. Don't write anybody off. I was in a meeting one time with a a banker that used to be down at Metro Bank when it was still called that. He was getting ready to retire, and he was talking about going to a Bible study and something that was showing up that he was understanding for the first time. And I looked at him, I said, wow, I said, you know, you're the exception of the rule. The rule says that people that are your age are not wanting to make changes. He said, you know, I don't know who did those surveys, but he said, when you find something that's alive and works, you want to jump on it. That's what we need is the gospel to be alive and powerful to every generation. Amen. So don't write people off. Don't say, well, it'll be a cold day in hell. I've, I've seen hell on the map. It's out west. Okay, there's a couple states that have hell in them. But I want you to know what? It does freeze there. It does get cold there. And so Jesus is still Lord. Don't write people off. Amen. Now, keep this all in mind and look with me in 1 Thessalonians. Let's go over to the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's funny, sometimes people don't think that a child has much to offer to them or that it's their responsibility just to teach the child and they miss out what the child could be teaching them. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22 this scripture is used and it says abstain from every form of evil would you say that with me abstain from every form of evil parents I want to encourage you to not be embarrassed to talk to your kids grandmas and grandpas aunts and uncles I want to encourage you not to be discouraged maybe you had some wild times in your life that doesn't mean that everybody's looking for someone who's perfect There are no perfect parents. There are no perfect people in the world, but there are people that have been forgiven and restored. Can I get an amen? So here's what I want to talk to you about. In our world today, kids are getting all kinds of mixed messages. 
the sexing of our children is going on very, very early in their lives. And sometimes parents aren't even aware of it. Sometimes they think, oh, not my kids. You know, they're not hearing this kind of stuff. I protect them. I keep them back. I, I watch over them. You know, we're always making sure that nothing gets by us. I have to tell you, over and over, somehow the enemy tries to get ways and messages in to kids. It can be things on Facebook. It can be things that they find on the Internet. It can be the bus ride that goes to school. It can be all kinds of things. Right now, one of the biggest things that is continuing to happen is in junior high school, between or what in some of the schools where they would call middle school, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, the kids that are in there already are having so many people talk to them about what we would just call premarital sex or they would talk about whether there would be some kind of just a relationship going on between kids. Parents, even if you got involved with premarital sex in your life, it's okay to say to your kids, listen, I want you to know it's important that you would live pure before God. God wants to cover you with his protection. God wants you to be able to keep safe and to know that your body is a gift that you will give to your spouse one day. Years back, when our girls were small, Tanya was reading an article, and I think it was Dr. Dobson had talked about taking time to prepare your children for the years that are ahead. And so we made sure that on their 13th birthday, we gave them a promise ring. Now, it was a ceremony we did. We had the whole family together. And in giving that ring to them, this works for girls and guys, okay? If you want to get something at the jewelry store, you can. A lot of the Christian bookstores carry these that can be given out, and it'll have a cross or some kind of a marker on it. But we gave that to our girls, and we said, now, we want you to know there's going to be lots of temptation out there. And sometimes when you really care about somebody, in the heat of the moment, you can feel like you can let your standards down but keep yourself pure before God so that when the marriage comes, that the boy or the girl can turn to their now spouse and take that ring off of their finger because you put it on your wedding finger. Take that ring off and give it to them and say, I've kept myself for you. Now, I've only got one daughter that's been married so far. And uh, I have to tell you that each of our girls, we had moments like that with them. But in that wedding ceremony, when Rachel was able to take that ring off of her finger and give it to CJ, it was one of those moments that I sat back and thought, God, how important it is that we train our kids to honor their bodies. I saw this story the other day that said this guy was talking to his son, and he said, here's a brand-new iPad I'm going to give to you. And so he gets excited. He has the iPad, and he looks at him. He says, what's the first thing you're going to do with that iPad? He said, Dad, I need to go to Best Buy. I need to get a screensaver for it so it keeps it from getting scratched, and I'm going to get a brand-new cover so it protects it. And so he stops for a moment, and he says to his son at that time, he goes, why do you want to do that? He says, well, because it's valuable. And he looked at his son and he said, I want you to know that when you take preparation like that, you're going to have that iPad for a long time. It'll be protected because you've done these things. He said, you are more valuable than that iPad. He said, I want you to be prepared. He said, I want you to be covered by God. He said, I want you to know that your life and your sexuality is one of the most important things you will ever have in your life. And he said, I want you to know. And then he took and he gave him a purity ring. And he said, I want you to be able to keep this on your finger that every time you look at it, you're reminded that you made a promise to God. Do people make mistakes? We all do. Do people sometimes compromise even when they make a promise to God? People do. But I'm here to tell you, the good news is, even if a compromise happens, you go before God, you repent, and God says you are brand new. Hallelujah. So what am I saying? Is there an out that you can compromise and you can have premarital sex and go in and out of relationships? No, no, no. I'm, I'm wanting you to understand that you need to take time with your kids or your grandkids or your niece or your nephew and talk to their parents and say, we want to be with you on this. We want your children to be protected by God. Because there's so many mixed messages between every music video that's out there. Sometimes you just have to watch what you're watching on television. Sometimes the mixed messages that are sent out, you know, it seems like that any TV show that is popular tries to promote homosexuality, that it's just another form of love instead of perversion and deviant behavior. 
There's all these mixed messages that are happening that are trying to warp our children. And I want to encourage you, even if you made a mistake early in your life, listen, there are no babies that are mistakes. Sometimes people say, well, you know, they were an unwanted pregnancy. I'm here to tell you that when God comes upon the life of a child, that child has purpose and direction. So never write a child off and think they're not important. They are. And even, you know, as we have supported and stood behind the Women's Choice Center over in uh, Bettendorf, for young ladies and young men that get involved sexually, before they're married, we want to see that child brought to life and not abort it. We want to see unity come in their life. And if those two are to be together and be married, praise God, we want to stand beside them. I've watched couples that made a mistake and they got too involved with each other physically. They didn't know how to say no to each other. And yet they were able to get married. They have godly homes. They have raised their kids godly. And the Lord has still blessed them. In times past in church history, some churches would look to people like that and said, no, 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 you can't ever do anything from God. You compromised yourself. Well, who in here, and please don't say amen, who in here has not compromised some point in their life? have done something wrong, different than what Scripture teaches us. But when you go before the Lord, God restores all things. So I encourage you to think about that. When they're in, even if they're already past their 13th birthday and you've never done this, take that time. Let them know. And it's okay, parents, to say, you know what? I know they're having a dance at school, but it's the wrong kind of dance. You've, you've already checked it out. You know what? Junior high kids don't need to be hugging on each other. They don't need to be slow dancing with each other. It sometimes can send the wrong message. Don't try to push your kids into adulthood. It's okay to say, no, we're going to do something different. Yeah, I know people are going to disagree with me on that. But I'm here to tell you that God says that we are to abstain from every form of evil. There'll be plenty of dances in the future. There'll be plenty of proms and homecomings and Sadie Hawkins dances and every kind of dance you can imagine. But I'm here to say that we need to make sure that our kids know that it's all right to say, no, I'm not going to do that. They need to be able to know how to say no. That if some boy or some girl is being overly aggressive with them, they can say, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I made a promise to God. Because at that moment, when all of a sudden the love bug bites and we just look at the opposite sex and we go, huh, huh. I got to tell you, and if that hasn't happened to you yet, it'll come. It'll happen that just that right boy will notice you and he'll say, oh, you are so beautiful. Or the right girl will walk by you and she'll say, wow, you are handsome. And all of a sudden, the boy who's been strong and sturdy in all things, all of a sudden, this girl goes by and he goes, <laughs> That's okay. That's all part of growing up and everything that you experience and know. But it's okay to have high standards. So truly today, I want to remind every parent and every grandparent, teach your children. They are a gift from God. In the hands of a mighty warrior, and we have one, his name is Jesus Christ, he will direct their lives and they will be arrows shot into carrying out his will into the earth and doing the right things. And even if a compromise has happened in your life, any young person that's here today, I want you to know something. God still can use you. Don't you buy into the labels? Don't you feel like you're damaged goods, that nobody can ever love you or care for you? There are no damaged goods with God. He is the Lord of all the earth. He is the creator of all life. And when it comes to family and dating, hey, parents, figure out the right time. You know, if you want it to be 16 and you tell your kids you can't date until you're 16, and then when you get ready to date, that person you're going to date has to talk to us first. That can be tough, can it? You know, now, especially for me, being a pastor, I can be very intimidating, and I like that. <laughs> we made a rule that the girls on their 16th birthday could find out what the requirements were for dating any of my daughters. And one of them was that they had to call me first 
and asked me before my daughter could respond whether they went out. Part of that was protection so that if a goofball wanted to ask him out, they could say, you got to talk to my dad, and I'd talk to him and say, no, you can't take my daughter out. I, d I did that. Mm -hmm. There was a couple of them that seemed like they were good, but I could tell something was wrong. So I'd ask him questions. Where do you go to church? Do you tithe? One boy said, no, I don't tithe. I said, if you can't be honest with God, you won't be honest with me and take care of my daughter. You can't take her out. Because if they don't respect God's word, they're not going to respect my daughter. Now, the other part was when, when CJ, my now son-in-law, who passed all the tests, <laughs> one of the rules was he couldn't be in the house alone with my daughter except that I was there and my gun was in the closet. You that don't like Second Amendment, you're a fool. <laughs> it's an important thing. You know what? He didn't ever break that. He understood so that he had to call me and talk to me. It's not just like calling up, if, let's say your name's Joe, calling up, Joe, I'd like to talk to you about your daughter. No, they had to call me and say, Pastor Scott. And I said, yes. He passed the test. He did the right things. I'm here just to say that so the parents, it's okay for you to set a standard for your kids. See, if you'll talk to them now about sex and the things that are important at the different levels of their life, they don't need to know everything when they're in fifth grade, but they do need to know that there's differences between boys and girls and having godly standards. And the church can't ever shy away from that. Some churches don't say anything, and then something comes up, and they just act, oh, here, let's hide it under the rug. Let's not pay attention here. I want you to know there are godly standards. And will it be embarrassing? Yes. Will it be awkward? Yes. It's okay. But you're still going to show your kids that there is a communication that can happen so that when temptation comes, they'll sit down and talk to you and say, wow, I'm having problems with this. Dad, I almost did this. This came up. This came up. It's okay. Share from your heart. Now, I know some people might disagree with me on that, but I can tell you it works. I know from experience that it works. And if you'll keep this word, you will see it come alive. And even if you're compromised, go before God and say, Lord, make me new. Now, hear me out. Somebody might disagree with me on this, but I believe that when God says everything becomes new, it becomes new. So even if you have lost your virginity through some kind of relationship that way, whether a child was produced or not, if you go before God and say, Lord, forgive me, he makes you new. If there's a baby that's there, yeah, but pastor, she can't become unpregnant. No, no, no. God doesn't get rid of life. But you know what? That child can be born and that woman can be made whole and pure before God. I suppose somebody would clinically try to say that I'm not correct in what I'm telling you. But you see, I don't just listen to the natural. I listen to the spiritual and the supernatural. God makes everything new. Like I said, I, I know that some may not always see that. But I know what I know what I know in my heart. And I've watched people that have been thrown away get right with God and they become most powerful men and women in their life because they have humbled themselves before the Lord. So that's really our message today is to take that time and look at your kids and see their potential. Are they going to be squirrely? What do you think junior high is for? Junior highers can't sit still. You know, uh, Becky, I'm going to pick on you for a minute. I don't usually pick on you. I pick on Gloria but she's in teaching, so here you go. When, when we were first starting the church in 1985, how old were you? 12 years old. All right, my brother-in-law, Kirk, was back here at that time. They were helping with the church, and uh, he was teaching your Sunday school class or your group that you had. And one day after everything was over that night at church, because we used to do Sunday school in the night, and I remember Kirk having a conversation with me. He said, oh, Lord. He said, junior high ministry is something else. I said, why? He says, because I'm telling you, Scott Landry was in there. My, his brother David was in there. And he said, here's Becky. And he said, Becky is in a skirt, and she's squirming, making sure that she's always sitting right, doing all the right things. And the boys were just looking at you like, ah. And he said, I wanted to say, pay attention to me. I'm your teacher. 
And he said they were just looking at googly-eyed at Becky over there because they were squirrely young kids. Look at the fine woman she's turned into. <laughs> Squirreliness happens, but at the same time, growth and maturity comes. Never, never give up on a child. They have all the potential of God. Will you join me in prayer for a moment? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of children in our lives. Nieces and nephews, we thank you for grandparents with their grandchildren and great-grandparents. We thank you, Lord, that your word speaks about children as being arrows in the hands of a mighty man. You are our warrior, King Jesus. And so we give you the children in our lives. We ask you to help us minister to them, to encourage them and to help them, and that as they grow up and temptation is around them through all kinds of issues of drugs or alcohol or pre-sex, I thank you that you'll give them wisdom to know how to say no, how to turn and depend on you and get their strength from you. Raise up a mighty standard in each of their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, let's go on and get into the rest of the word today. Go ahead and open up your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16 and take a look at verse 15. Most of us have called this the Great Commission in the Bible. Jesus is with his disciples this last time after the resurrection. And he's speaking to them, starting at verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs, amen. God was working through them and bringing out signs and wonders as they spoke the word. We truly have a God of signs and wonders, amen? Signs and wonders are supposed to be a part of our life also. God gave us the Holy Spirit for some very specific reasons. He didn't just say, this part is done, now take and walk into this next step in your lives. There will always be seasons of change in your life. There will always be new things if you're looking for them with God. But there will also be completeness that happens to some things. You finished up one phase, and now you're stepping into something brand new. It happens, doesn't it? Sometimes people lose their job, and when the door closes, it looks like nothing good is coming about, and yet something brand new opens up. God has a plan. And even when things change in the natural, and it's tough for us to accept it, God has a plan. See, when you've given your heart to the Lord, he will show you the answers that you need. And with these disciples, here they'd walked with Jesus, they'd spent three years with him, and now they watched him be crucified. They thought that he was dead, but they had remembered his words he had spoken just a few weeks before that time period. And he said to them that when he was crucified, he would be raised up on the third day. Now, because none of them had ever experienced that before, none of them had ever read it before or thought about it, it was one of the most difficult things to think about. You that have lost somebody who's close to you, they've died, they've gone into heaven, or maybe there was a family member, or maybe it was even your spouse, it can be one of the biggest struggles you have. You've been used to talking everything over, you've listened to each other, share stories, and everything that goes on, you've shared that with that other person, and now they're not there. Where are you going to spend your time? How are you going to do? Because you talked with them before and now they're gone. They're in heaven. Here was the disciples that were gathered together 
and trying to figure out what to do. And on the third day, when Easter morn came, Jesus Christ appeared and showed them the power of the resurrection. So then, from that point on, there were these days that had passed on. There were 50 days that had gone on. And Jesus would teach them and say, remember when I said this? This is what it means. Remember this? Now here's the plan for you. And then he speaks and he says, signs and wonders are going to follow you. We find out in the beginning part of the book of Acts, he says, but don't leave until you have been endued or given power. Why is that so important? Because God wants you to live in victory. There is an enemy, Satan, the devil, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, Beelzebub. There's all kinds of names for him, but he wants to try to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to try to stop you from living in victory. But God wants you to live in victory. So we've been talking the last several weeks about the reason that God gives us the gifts of the Spirit and why they're so important to us. The Great Commission says signs and wonders will follow you. Now, praise the Lord, we want you to lay hands on the sick. We want you to be out there sharing the good news of Jesus because if we're not out there speaking it, we're not doing the job that God gave us to do. He said this would happen and signs would follow. I want to encourage you today that if you have not been expecting for signs and wonders to follow you, get ready. Signs and wonders are going to show up. you got to get your faith out there. you get your faith out there believing, and before you know it, God will open up an opportunity for you to talk to someone. Maybe it's the beautician you've gone to for years. Maybe it's the guy who cuts your hair. Maybe it is the neighbor next door to you. But when you start praying, saying, Lord, I want to be used by you, God will give you opportunity. It could be the people you work with. It could be somebody in your family. Well, Pastor, I don't want to talk with my family because, you know, they're so hard on me. They, they think I'm wasting my time going to church anyway. Then why not show them you're not wasting your time? Show them what you've got. The gifts of the Spirit are there to help you. Now, we're not going to read the scripture we used last week, but if you're taking notes, you can write this down over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 11. We talked about the nine gifts of the Spirit. The first one was the word of wisdom. That's when the Spirit of God would give you a word about something in the future. There would be a word of knowledge, something that's happening right now that God's saying, it's finished, it's taken care of. That would be an immediate move of God that had taken place. The gift of faith, so that this supernatural gift that is there, even when at times your mind is doubting, you're trying to build your faith, you're doing everything the Bible says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and now you come up to a situation that you need the move of God, and all of a sudden it's just like, boom. You know it in your gut. You know it in your spirit. That's that gift of faith that you speak out in the name of Jesus. I refuse to believe that, and I hold on to the promises of God. That's that gift of faith that rises up. The gifts of healings. Many different ways that God moves it. When you pray, healing can be progressive. It can be every day you're getting stronger and better. It can be you taking some medicine along with your prayer. It can be getting an operation and seeing the hand of God use that doctor. Or it can be just that God does a work in you, and through the days you see the healing fully manifest. But from the moment you ask, it is yours. It's just like the moment a husband and wife come together and they want to have a child. The moment that they are together, that child is there. Life begins at conception. You don't wait until somebody says, wow, are you gaining some weight? I don't know. Maybe I should go get it checked out. Yes, that's the case. A lot of us men should go get checked out. I've got to tell you something. Life begins at that moment. So same thing is true, that when we ask God for healing, then our change takes place in our prayer life. Father, I thank you that I am healed according to the word of God. It goes on here and it talks in the fifth gift is the working of miracles. Oh, hallelujah for miracles. Miracles are instantaneous. Miracles, you know, sometimes you ever just sit back and say, God, I, you know, I know I'm being healed right now, but I just want a miracle. Well, get your faith out there. There is that gift of miracles that takes place. The sixth gift is the gift of prophecy. That would be someone not necessarily who is a prophet, but God is working through that person that is praying, and God gives them a prophetic word. 
Now, if you're by yourself with that person, God may give them a prophetic word for you. So listen and judge it to make sure that it matches up with the word. But even within a congregation, worship and praise can be happening, and God moves and someone begins to speak something like this, thus saith the Lord, and they start to share, and it's a word from God. That's that prophetic gift. Then there is the discerning of spirits. That's gift number seven. The discerning of spirits, of knowing what are you dealing with. If you come into a situation, have you ever walked into a room and all of a sudden your spirit says, oh, something's wrong here. Something's wrong here. That is the discerning of spirits. You begin to pray in tongues about that, and God will show you. It can be a person who's opened themselves up to the wrong things. It can be someone who is involved in witchcraft or sorcery. There are real things like that. We're not talking television shows that you watch. We're talking about people who have really opened themselves up to the occult. The eighth gift is different kinds of tongues. Now, you may notice the longer you're saved, you listen to yourself in the first place. So when you pray in the Spirit, have you ever noticed that when you speak in tongues, sometimes it sounds different than other times? There's a difference that happens. Why? Because it's different types of tongues. We would call that heavenly language. It would be a heavenly tongue that God's given you. That's just because you're speaking some specific things out in the Spirit that your brain doesn't know about, but your Spirit does. Hallelujah. There are times that missionaries have been in impossible situations, and as they began to speak, God would take their voice and their abilities and have them begin to speak out in the language of those people. Does that mean that any missionary should not go to language school? No. No. But it does mean that God can do something with all of our vocal cords. Aren't you glad God can do everything he wants with any of us who are open Hallelujah. But pastor, I limp. God won't use me because the people will say, you know, go heal yourself. You shouldn't be here. You're limping. You can't be used by God. Yes, you can. Hallelujah. Just because someone has a disability does not mean that God may not still raise them up healed and whole, but that doesn't stop them believing for you. The other thing is, have you ever noticed that sometimes when you're praying for other people, it seems that you have such great faith for them, sometimes you know too much about yourself and you haven't taught yourself yet to see past your limitations. And you can believe for somebody to get healed and yet you think, well, what's wrong with me? Why haven't I received my healing? Well, we're going to work on that. We're going to talk on that. The last gift, the interpretation of tongues, where someone would give a message in tongues, could be to a private group, or it could be you yourself pray out in tongues, and all of a sudden, after you finish up in tongues, you get the interpretation. That's why I try to keep a notebook with me most of the time with my Bible, because when I'm praying, if God gives me an interpretation, I want to be able to write it down. You don't learn the language. You don't go and say, I'm going to go to tongue school today. I'm going to be able to figure out because there are lots of different tongues and languages that are out there, and God can use all of them. So how do you get the interpretation? Well, Pastor, I've wanted that before, but I've told God I need paragraphs. And if you're going to use me in giving an interpretation today, I'd like to have it before I leave the house so I can just read it to people and be safe. Sometimes when you step out in the gifts of the Spirit, you're going to look a little silly. But that's what faith is all about, stepping out and trusting God, not worried about what you look like in the natural. One of the times when we were in Bible college, my freshman year in Bible college, there was someone in chapel who spoke out in tongues, and I remember standing there listening to it, and I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, you have the interpretation, get ready. And here I was thinking, all my teachers around me, all these smart spiritual people, I don't want to make a mistake. God, can't you use somebody else? And he kept saying, I want to use you, I want to use you. And I kept saying, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. Don't, I don't want to look foolish. What if I say the wrong thing? They'll know because they're more spiritual than me. That's why they're teachers. You ever felt that way? <laughs> I remember that moment. And all of a sudden, as I'm standing there, I still heard God saying, I want you to speak out. And I said, no. And somebody else brought the interpretation. Well, see, you weren't supposed to have it in the first place, Pastor. Oh, no, I was. But you see, God was determined to let that happen because the church needed to hear it that day. So the next time when I was in chapel and that same thing happened to me, it wasn't necessarily the next day, but it was another opportunity when I just sensed it inside me. I said, okay, Lord, I'll say it. And then I remember saying to him, so what am I going to say? And he said, trust me. 
Okay, I'm going to speak in front of a room full of people, and I don't even know the beginning word. Okay, God. And then as that person finished up speaking in tongues, all I remember is just this peace of God and yet this excitement that came over me. And I started to speak, and I just began to share. Sometimes, remember, an interpretation is just that. Someone may give a short message in tongues, and it might be a long interpretation. It might be a long message in tongues and a short interpretation. It is not word for word, but it is an interpretation of what's being said. So we know we've got these nine gifts of the Spirit that are here. I'd like you to turn over a few pages in your Bible to the book of Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, and uh, take a look with me, if you would, at verses 1 and 2. Acts chapter 19, verse 1 and 2. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to uh, Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Now, this was the early days of the church. Things were happening, and God was manifesting his glory, and there were things taking place that nobody had ever thought of or known before. Know this, that on the day of Pentecost, nobody knew there was the nine gifts of the Spirit. They just knew God was moving. He had told them, wait in the upper room, and I'll pour my spirit out on you. These people were praying together, and all of a sudden, it was like a mighty rushing wind that came through that prayer meeting. 120 people together, and they looked at each other, and they could see it looked like there was a tongue of fire over each of their heads. And yet it wasn't burning their hair. There was something that was happening. They had never studied it. They'd never known it. i got to tell you, aren't you glad for the word of God? What God has done, he wants to do in us also. He speaks to him and he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, these believers had never even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. So sometimes when you run into people that have been in evangelical churches that have never talked about the gifts of the Spirit, it's because they were never taught. They never heard. They didn't know it was even there. So never look at people and say, well, there must be something wrong because they don't believe in all the gifts of the Spirit. No, no, no. We all need to learn new things all the time. Hallelujah. Take a look at verse 3 through 6. And he said to them, into then what were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So Paul looks at them and says, how were you baptized? They said, we were baptized the way John baptized people. Now remember, when we practice water baptism, we immerse people in water. We put them down in the water and bring them back up in representing Christ's death and his resurrection. Baptism is baptism. But what was John the Baptist doing? Remember, when he was alive, Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet. So here was John standing out at the river saying, Repent, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. What was happening to people who heard that? They knew something was getting ready to take place in the spirit, and so they went to John, and they were baptized. But John didn't put them under the water and say, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. He couldn't. Jesus hadn't paid for the sins of mankind yet. So these people who were being spoken to here in Ephesus, they knew something was going on in the spirit realm. They heard John preach, and they said, hallelujah, we want God. They went down and got baptized, and John baptized them. I don't know if he said, I baptize you in my name. I baptize you in the name of God. He said, I don't, I, I, there's nothing that tells us exactly what he spoke. Or whether he just said, I baptize you. Hold him down under the water. And if they got back up, they had a chance to live. There's no statistics. Three people were killed at water baptism today. Next on Geraldo. 
It's not there. But something took place. They were baptized now when they heard the truth that Jesus was the one who came after John. So these people who had not known Jesus were now hearing Jesus preach to them as this word is coming out, and they start to go, wow, this is it. This is God. Uh, we believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so then what's he do? He goes ahead and takes them down to the water, and he baptizes them. <laughs> Say that three times fast. He baptizes them in the name of the Lord. They get up from the water, and then he lays hands on them. Why? Well, I thought when we got saved, Pastor, that the Holy Spirit came to live in us. Amen. He does. But now something else was going to happen that Jesus had spoken and said and talked about a baptism of fire. Glory to God. Fire is to set you on fire. And sometimes if you've ever been around people that are just sort of a wet blanket, you ever been at a party and there's people that sit off to the side? Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Let's all eat worms. You look at them and go, oh, don't sit by them. They're a downer. Ooh. Let me tell you something. Sometimes Christians can become wet blankets. Yeah, I'm saved, sanctified, and going to heaven. Hallelujah. Nothing good's happened in my life for years. Tell you, you need to get on fire. You need the fire of the Holy Spirit to be burning inside you. You need that glory of God moving in your heart. Oh, I don't want to be a fanatic. Why not? Some of you get really excited about your sports teams. Man, you get really into it. If you can get into that, you ought to get into Jesus because that's eternal. When you get to heaven, God's going to say, football what? <laughs> Track what? Oh, you mean those things I just meant for you to have recreation with? Yeah, they messed it up on earth. You know, they pay them billions of dollars, and a teacher can't live on $32,000 a year. But you trust them with your children five days a week, eight hours a day. Sorry, I know I've just insulted some of you, but it's time somebody did. Can you enjoy it? Yeah, enjoy it. Watch it. Have fun. But know this. There is something more to life than just existing. And enjoy your hobbies, camping, boating, doing all the things, vacation, all those fun. There's nothing wrong with it. Be involved in sports. Do all those things. Sing in the choir. Go to dances. Lift your voice. Be on the debate team. Do all the things that you need to do. But know this, that heaven is the thing that needs to set you on fire. And if you're more on fire for doing what you do, I'm a part of the stamp collecting club. You can't be in the stamp collecting club unless you have a very wet tongue. So everyone who comes to the stamp collecting group, we ask them to stick their tongue out. Uh, your tongue is dry. You can't be a stamp collector. Can you imagine being rejected from the stamp club? How'd your day go at school, Johnny? I got kicked out of the stamp club. My tongue wasn't wet enough. You know what? Doesn't matter whether you got a wet or a dry tongue. You give it to God and you'll speak in tongues. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, when something took place here, don't keep laughing, honey, because when you laugh, I lose it. <laughs> something happened. They had hands laid on them, and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was to empower them. We should not be hiding our faith when we have been filled with God. Some people call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some people call it the third move of God. Some people call it, oh, there's so many different titles. I just got to tell you, when you are filled with the Spirit, it is when the manifestation of the gifts start operating in your life. Now, do you remember this story? You're probably going to go a few pages back in your Bible to the book of Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 and verse 24. Now, leading up to that, there was a man, his name was Cornelius, and he was a centurion. He was not a Jew, but yet when everybody looked at his life, and even scripture will verify this, they would say he's a just man. He feared God, and he had a good reputation among the Jews. There are a lot of good people out in our world today that just don't know the message of the cross. They're just like these people back in Ephesus. They were good people that had a hunger, that wanted to repent. They didn't even know Jesus was the Savior. When they heard the truth, they got baptized in his name. Then later on, when they had hands laid on them, they received the gifts of the Spirit. Here was this man, Cornelius. 
And he had been seeking God. You know what? There are people today that are not in any church that are not yet born again, but they're seeking God, saying, Lord, I need some answers. God can work with somebody like that. Something can take place. So what happens? An angel appears to Cornelius, and he says, I want you to send over to Joppa, and there's a man over there. His name's Peter, and uh, if you go get him, he'll tell you what you need to know. So Peter's up on the roof of his house praying. And while he's up on the roof, God gives him a vision and shows this sheet coming down from heaven. And there's all kinds of different hoofed types animals that are in it. And God says, take and kill those and eat. And he says, no, I can't because as a Jew, I can't have that kind of food. It's not kosher. God takes it back up and does it again to him and again. And he sees it and he hears what God has made holy, don't call unholy. This makes it possible so that no matter what you eat, if you give it over to God, his power of blessing will be upon it. If you go into a restaurant that's serving food that has botulism in them, you're not going to get it, even though everybody else might. Why? Because you prayed over your food and given it to God. You're covered under the anointing of the Lord. So keeping that all in mind, now these men show up over at Peter's house, and they say... Uh, Hey, Peter, we're here to go with you and take you back to our master Cornelius. God wants to use you. Let's pick it up in verse 24. The following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and his close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he talked with them, he went in and found many who had come together. And he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call anything, any man, common or unclean. Here was a major breakthrough going on right now. Here was a cultural exchange that was happening as Peter looked and said, I'm here because God has sent me. Hallelujah. When the wraths go into Panama, even if there are places the gospel has already been, they're going in just like Peter and doing what God has called them to do. Hallelujah. You're doing that tomorrow when you go into your workplace or yet tonight when you go in on your shift. You're going in as an ambassador of the Lord. He looked at them and he says, now I'm here because God has sent me. Now all the relatives were there. Can you imagine Cornelius' excitement as he called up all of his family? He didn't call them up. They didn't have cell phones back then. <laughs> hey, come to my house. Hey, come to my house. Something great's going to happen. And all these people came in because they knew Cornelius' standard. They saw his righteousness. They knew he was a good man. And he said, something's going to happen. I want you to be here. When we know something good's going on, don't we want to share it with our friends? Hallelujah. If you've been given the gift of God and you know salvation and you're going to heaven, let's get all of our unsaved friends saved. Let's get them into heaven. Man, I don't want to think about them being left on earth and frying in hell forever. I want them to be saved. So something takes place. Preparation has already happened. And take a look now at verse 29. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, for what reason have you sent me? And Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. Here's an unbeliever fasting. You know how many Christians have never fast? I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't miss out on my 12 o'clock candy bar. Look what goes on. Four days ago when I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of a Simon, a tanner by the sea. Uh, when he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. He was changing everything. God wants to put you in places where the gospel has never been heard. 
He wants it to show up in your lodge or your club. He wants it to show up in your neighborhood, backyard barbecue. God wants to be there. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all of Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things which he ha- uh, did both in the, la- in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging upon the cross, upon the tree. Let's stop there just for a moment. Peter started preaching salvation to them. I got to tell you, when you're preaching the truth, it just comes out. When you say to people, I'm born again. When you say, Christ saved me from my sins. God gave me a new start. You know my failings. You know what I used to do. And God changed me. Let's look on. Let's keep reading. Verse 40. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses close uh, chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead." To him all the prophets witnessed that through his name whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Man, it was the time for a change to happen. It was like a modern day infomercial that was going on. Have you ever watched one of those? Maybe you got up late one night, you couldn't go to sleep, and you turned on the television, and they're trying to teach something to everybody who's watching, that you need their product. The super-duper skillet that you can burn cheese in it, and it slides off. You can beat it with a hammer, and it slides off. You'll never use scouring pads ever again. Look at what it does to this and that. Look at how the meat can be burned on it, and yet it never shows a mark. And every moment that you're watching it, you're sitting there going, I need one of those. You know, when Megan was a little girl, when we would ever see an infomercial would be on TV, Meg would sit there looking at it, ooh. Or she'd come to us, she'd say, Dad, we need one of those. Tanya and I looked at each other and said, she will never have a credit card. You have that thing under control, don't you? It's under the blood. Praise the Lord. But man, she was the infomercial queen. So if something came up, she'd say, I saw that. It slices, it dices, it can puree, it can do everything. But man, the next thing you just know, it could take the garbage out. Here was an infomercial going on to all these people in the house. They were hearing it, and the amazing part was something began to happen. Verse 44, while Peter was still preaching and speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, the Jews, who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And Peter answered, wait a minute, time out. He was preaching. Don't they know that the music should have came up and there would have been an altar call? These people believed before Peter said, can I see a hand for someone who wants to get saved? Tradition was broken. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want you to know God has the freedom to move in anything in our lives. Amen? Peter's preaching, telling the good news, and infomercial is going on at that moment as they're hearing about the power of heaven. And these people are sitting there in their chairs. It's just, yes, yes, yes. Oh, man, alive. There's nothing that says that they were speaking doing the amen corner because they didn't know to do that yet. But I'm telling you, something was taking place so much so that they believed even before he said, do you want to believe? Because they had to believe if they were to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't speak in tongues before you believe in Jesus. You got to get saved first. These people had an experience that was pouring out in every part of their lives. Verse 47 says, Can anyone forbid water that these should be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and they asked him to stay for a few days. 
goodness gracious. Man, isn't it supposed to be that there's three steps? You get saved, then you get baptized in water, and then you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Something happened that was out of order. Oh, guess what? God has a divine order. God has a plan. And if you've never been baptized in water and you want to get baptized, hallelujah, your chance is coming this summer. You can get baptized. We do it when it's warm because we do it outside in the water. I guess we'd really see who had faith if we did it and we had to break ice off the top of it. <laughs> now, in times past, we've rented the pool at the Y and done some things like that if we had a group that wanted to get baptized. What is baptism? It's an outward way to show that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. These people were sitting in Cornelius's home. All of his relatives, his family, his friends were there. There was an excitement because they wanted to come receiving from God. So the moment Peter started preaching, they were hanging on every word. Have you ever noticed that when you come to church excited and saying, okay, God, I'm here to worship you, you get more out of the service than when you come in and go, I hope he doesn't go past lunchtime. Man, the days that you think that way, that's when the Holy Spirit says to me, go long. No, that's not true. It might be because I've already got reservations and you don't, so you'll have to wait outside. No, 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 that's not it. Something was there. Listen, when you come into church, when you come into Bible study, whenever you do what you do, you need to have an expectation. Can you imagine if your team was in the state championship and everybody showed up and they had pennants and they were dragging them? No, people come into a state championship game, they're excited. They paint their face the color of their team. Men with pop bellies take off their shirts and paint letters on them. It's just so they can have a big billboard out there. And then you hope they can spell that there's not the wrong letters. Oh, look at that. Oh, let's not look at that. People do something because they're excited. They want something to happen. No, don't come to church next week with Jesus written on your chest, okay? I better say that because some of you are thinking it right now. Let me ask you, have you received the Holy Spirit yet? Have you received his sweet baptism and power? Are you enjoying what God has for you? I want you to know those gifts are there for you. There's so much more we could go on and talk about here. I'm just going to stop for a moment. You've got to remember, this was a tragic time going on for some of the early Christians. Saul was persecuting them. He was taking Christians out into the street, having them killed. He was taking them into the arenas and having them eaten by lions. He was doing all kinds of things, thinking he was doing it in the name of God. You know what? There's lots of false religion right now trying to come up in America. False religions like Islam and others that have people that are completely dedicated to it. What would happen if those people really found Jesus? It would change their lives. They've already sold out to Allah which is not God. That's not another name for God, okay? That's a false God. Doesn't matter what you hear on TV. That's not God. That is not his name. They've sold out to this name that they think has the answer and said, I'm willing to die for you. Can you imagine what would happen if they became Christians and heard from God instead of saying, would you die for me? He'd say to them, will you live for me? Our world can be changed. Our world can see the power of heaven. Worship team, if you'd come, please. So much of missionary journeys actually happened in an area that today we'd call modern Turkey. There's over 50 million people in Turkey. There are only 4,800 registered Christians in Turkey. There are huge churches and cathedrals. There are places that heard the gospel. Cornelius and his family were in one of those areas in Turkey. They were their lives were changed and transformed. Ephesus was in that area. At one time, the message of Christ was strong there. But within one generation, people quit talking about Jesus, quit witnessing. They didn't raise their children to know Jesus. So it didn't go on. Within one generation, it began to die out. And now today, the, throughout modern uh, Turkey, the message of Islam is stronger than the message of Christ. Well, that's got to change because we're taking back what God had set aside from the beginning. Hallelujah. We're going to go into the enemy's camp 
and we're going to take back land and nations and people groups and we have it in our hearts that no one shall die and go to hell but they will all know Jesus as Lord and Savior but with that you need the Holy Ghost so this morning as we get ready to pray if you've already given your heart to Christ that's the beginning now today I want to encourage you if you'd like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit we're gonna lay hands on you and pray over you and we're gonna let God do his work in your life now the other thing is if you've been backslidden you've been away from God for a while then it's time for you just to say okay Lord I'm back I'm not gonna play games I'm back and I want you in my life then it's time to rededicate yourself to God or by chance if you've never given your heart to Christ this morning it'll be the best decision you ever make to say Jesus be my Lord and Savior let's all stand together Christians I'd like you praying for what God is doing let's just pray in the spirit or pray in English there if you need to rededicate yourself to the Lord you take this time also and just say okay I'm back, Lord. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for walking away. I love you as I have always loved you. Now I'm back with you. But if you've never given your heart to Christ, repeat these words and let a new beginning happen. And just say, Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new beginning. I make you the Lord of my life. If that's your prayer, you can begin to lift your hands too because now you're born again. And I encourage you to receive all that God has. Receive the gifts of the Spirit. Receive his anointing and his power. If you'd like to be prayed for, come on down here to the altar. We'll lay hands on you and believe for God to do a work in your life. If you need healing in your body, come on down. We'll be happy to lay hands on you and just trust God to pour out his glory. If you've already been filled with the Spirit, hallelujah, just continue to worship. Give God glory and honor him today that the fire will burn strong in your heart. Worship team. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.